podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Top of the box, Nathan Redmond. Here's Danny Ings. Hasn't really got in the game yet. Ings right-footed shot. He's in the game right now. Is Danny Ings? Of course he is. It's his first shot, and the former Cherry celebrates modestly. With four minutes until half time, puts a real dent in Bournemouth's hopes of staying in the Premier League. Hello, good morning, and welcome to episode 90 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name is Sam Davis, and football, bloody hell, it consumes me. It makes me sad. It makes me angry. I wish I didn't like it. Honest to God. And over the last however many hours, I felt really down. Because Bournemouth went down themselves 2-0 at home to Southampton in a pivotal match. Which may have determined our Premier League fate. We won't quite know until Tuesday. Even then, it could be kept alive until Survival Sunday. And there's hope, but it would be slim to non-existent. We started off really well against Saints. However, we couldn't turn our possession and our opportunities into goals. But clinical Saints did what they needed to do with two goals at the end of each half to secure a victory in a South Coast derby. Yes, okay, not the South Coast derby. Let's just say that now. With me on the podcast, Jeff Hayward is here and we're going to be hearing his thoughts later in the show and we'll look forward to the games in midweek two as well as a brief chat about Everton next weekend. Plus, in the fans' full-time free-for-all, we'll also hear some thoughts of supporters straight after the final whistle. And boy, were they some raw thoughts. First, though, let's do this. Do you remember? Do you remember? Well, the first goal at the Vitality on Sunday was scored by a certain ex-Cherry. He went on to try to help us out by missing a penalty. It it didn't look as though he tried that hard to score it, I've got to say. But Danny Ings, of course, in a rich vein of form for our South Coast neighbours. And he's a player that, of course, yeah, played for both clubs. Now, what we're going to do is give you three anagrams of former Cherries, but also former Saints as well. And at the end of the show... We'll let you know who they are. Just three. Of course, there are many more. So, the first player, this is first name and last name, is B. Stolen. That's the word, B-E, Stolen. Next is Slim Nose. And finally is Barnyard Rent. That's B Stolen, Slim Nose and Barnyard Rent. You might want to write them down. At the end of the show, I'll give you the answers to those former Cherries and Saints players. So, I'm sorry we've got to do this, but here's an extended chat with myself and Jeff Hayward to discuss all things AFCB versus Southampton. And it's not the prettiest of conversations, I've got to say. So, Jeff, yesterday didn't exactly go to plan, did it? No. Um, no, it didn't, did it, Sam? It's, um, we're all feeling pretty lost here at the moment. And even though it's the day after, I still feel pretty raw about it. Um, uh, and it was a really interesting game, actually. And in some ways, it summed up many parts of our season, all in the space of about, of about 90 minutes. We huffed and puffed. We effectively didn't break through. And the person who did break through was a former Cherry. And then Salt was added to the wound late on into the game. And it's another goal whereby, you know, we're not relegated yet. But that goal 
could be the difference. I think a lot of us are resigned to our fate now. There is still hope, but it is minimal. It really is. When you look at the different combination of scenarios that could happen, they're not impossible. Um, and with what's happened with Watford over the last 24 hours, who knows? Given what's happened to Nigel Pearson, Aston Villa have got maybe one winnable game, but let's go to the game. So, one o'clock, teams are announced. 4 4 2, no Solanke, no Gosling. What's your thoughts? Um, I would have picked Solanke to start after the way he played the last two games and the way that Callum played off the bench at City, I'd have been inclined to keep him on the bench and bring him off. Uh, Gosling, mm, yeah. Um, again, Gosling and Billing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, either or. I wasn't that bothered. I thought he'd play 4-4-2 and um, yeah, it was pretty much as expected, actually. Mm. We're you can tell by the tone of our voice we're both feeling very despondent and resigned to the fact that we're going to have uh, you know second tier football next season. But you know, to Bournemouth's credit, with the players that I mean, obviously, I think there are so many times this season where we've seen a team line up, we've been happy with it, and then afterwards, when things have gone wrong, we then say, "Well, why did he do that?" And I'm always wary of sort of going that route in in like conversation. I don't particularly want to this time because I think most of us were relatively happy with uh, the players that were out there, relatively happy. And to be fair, we had a very, very strong start, didn't we? That first 20 minutes, we were unfortunate not to get a goal, I think. Very unfortunate. The, uh, the play was good. Um, we uh, went very direct lot of channel football which actually was causing Southampton quite a lot of problems we were getting a lot of territory a lot of set pieces uh whether that was long throws into the box or corners or free kicks um just that little bit of quality and we didn't actually threaten the goal uh enough you know we we created a lot of as you put as you said a lot of huffing and puffing but if the final ball was there, there was an exquisite ball from Rico that was a really good example. Ball flies in and Callum is on his heels, doesn't expect the ball to be there. And we've seen that a lot from Callum over the last yeah. few games. He just doesn't go for it. Danny Ings throws himself at that ball and they will whip them to score his 1-0. You know, that's the difference. That small margin and when... We're not going for uh, balls like that. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't take long for the, the confidence just to seep out of the side. So it, the longer the first half went on, I mean, Southampton are a good team and they play good football. You know, they, they're unhurried. They pass it well. And with Danny Ings up front, they've always got somebody who can create something from nothing. Yeah, they have. And as you say, the chances that we had, I mean, I make notes during matches uh, and, you know, eight minutes gone, Rico crosses. I've got a question mark. Why didn't Callum gamble? Um, on nine minutes, Lloyd Kelly with a shot on the turn that just went past the post, uh, slightly deflected. Callum Wilson header from a junior Stanislas cross on 10 minutes. Very similar to that effort at Man City where nowhere near the target, headed it high over the goal. Um, and then on 16 minutes, end-to-end -end action, it was a great chance. It was smothered by Ramsdale. And then Cherry's attack really well after Lerma fed Rico, who played in Stanislas, who's kind of curved ball into the box, was, you know, just eluded King, was out of his reach. Um, and we had a ridiculous amount of corners, didn't we? And, you know, Bournemouth, the set-piece specialist, so I was just praying that one of them was going to sort of fall for us. But it seemed to, uh, you know, Saints were very resolute in their defending, but also, you know, when they didn't win the header, it just seemed to drop kindly to them and they managed to clear. It was just, it seemed to be one of those days. And I was just watching it with a few friends thinking, it's one of them, isn't it? 
we've got so many chances and I was getting more concerned the longer the game was going on and the fact that we weren't taking these chances and for a team that was needing a little bit of luck we certainly had none. We didn't have any and, and there was that uh, chance I think it was before uh, Saints scored wasn't it where Walker Peters clears it off the line I mean mm. again you know a- amazing defending you've got to applaud the skill and the awareness that he had to get that ball wide yeah. But that sort of effort on your day when we're playing Leicester, that goes for us. On our day, that works for you. On our day, it on today's game, it didn't. And that was the difference. I, we just didn't have... We had a lot of effort, but not a lot of luck. And, and, and also, I think we lacked a bit of belief that we were going to get the goal today. It felt a bit like, you know, some of those games at the start of the lockdown where we didn't really believe that we could score. Yeah. If, if relegation is what's going to happen and, you know, let's be fair, it, it probably is. There are a number of players that we're starting to see over this lockdown period that could emerge as brilliant candidates. I mean, Jack Stacey, I think um, will be excellent in the championship. Uh, Lloyd Kelly will be another that is as well. But the, the, those two players that I've just mentioned, um, for all the good, there's a mistake in them. And it was Lloyd Kelly whose ball out from the back was cut out. And then Southampton just uh, played the overload. They had so many players. Um, and then it fell to the one person that you do not want it to fall to. Lloyd Kelly's been really impressive. I mean, to to think that he's now a fixture in that back four when actually he was picked to play left-back originally and he's hardly played any games this season. He's got a lot of maturity, doesn't panic, passes the ball well. Um, but that one time where you think hit the channel ball and he tries to play it through midfield. Um, and, it, it, it you know, you, you watch that again and you think that pass was never on in the first place. What are you thinking? And you're right, just opened us up and... Um, Danny Ings sort of squares up Jack Stacey uh, with the help of that sort of uh, dummy run on the outside. And he doesn't need much to, to hit the corner. He's very good. Ramsdale had an excellent game, gets a hand to it, but the ball sort of, yeah, it's one of those, the ball sort of bounces over his hand and doesn't yeah. get a full hand on it. And it's, it's like, it's, it's a sickener. And one of those days... Having said that, we felt that way half-time against Leicester last uh, Sunday. We played infinitely worse yeah. in that first half against Leicester and we came out and we did get a bit of luck and it, and it turned for us. just didn't go our way today. Can I just say one, one player that I thought looked off the pace really badly, David Brooks, and yeah. we needed him to step up today and he didn't maybe too many games in, in too short space of time. Um, he was subbed at halftime, but I think if we're going to beat Everton, he needs to be firing. Yeah, I was just about to mention him, actually. You took the words out of my mouth. Uh, I almost feel as though there was too much pressure on David Brooks, both from supporters and, you know, maybe within the club staff as well, because when we spoke to Fletch, albeit off the air, he told us that, you know, David Brooks is looking amazing in training at the moment and he's hopefully going to be fantastic for us but uh, you know we we saw glimpses of it but I just I just sort of wonder for the amount of time that he was out and with the intensity of football that we've been playing in conditions that are you know I mean they're alien to everyone but it's just another spanner to throw into the works that means that you know it's it's not a proper comeback for him and I just think that maybe what was it he played 80 minutes in the previous game before that, I think. I just wonder if he was just burnt out from that, to be honest. And sometimes I feel as though we we waste positions in the squad or in the starting eleven on players that um, are not up to the task. And another person, I think, Harry Wilson, this season, for all his free kicks and his brilliant set pieces that you know he's made and for all the good positions he's got in, he's not necessarily delivered um, up to the standard he should. And, you know, once again, he had a golden opportunity today as well. What do you think about Harry Wilson and, you know, David Brooks and will we retain them next season? Hmm. 
That's a really good question. If we're given the opportunity to keep Harry Wilson, I'd I'd pass it up, I think, and say, you know, not for us. I, I, I don't think he's got the physical strength uh, to play the position that Eddie wants to play in. And um, it, the sort of malaise of uh, unconvincing finishing was there with him today and and arguably in that game against Spurs where you think he buries that shot against Spurs in the last sort of couple of minutes to give us the 1-0 uh, earlier in the season. I think he'd have buried two of those chances today and we'd come out with a with a win possibly today. But um, it's just not working for him. And David Brooks, I think, is going to be a big, a big fat check for David Brooks in the summer, possibly. Um, it, a lot of the players will probably have escape clauses uh, if we get relegated, and I'm sure he's one of them. Um, and I think he's a very talented player. We just haven't got the best out of him this season because of the lack of games. The injuries have been a massive issue. If we'd have had him for more of the season, I'm sure we wouldn't be in the position we're in. Does the middle of the park worry you in terms of next season? Because Lerma, I mean, for the amount we signed him for, I don't know how much we'd get for him now, but the, I'm sure there'll be uh, teams interested. But he's he started off incredible for us. But as time's gone on, he's he's just become a you know a tough tackling, hard hitting midfielder that arguably might not be rated at the same amount that we paid for him. I I I don't quite know, but that kind of worries me that if he goes, then you're left with a championship midfield. It's, you know, albeit, OK, that's fine in the championship. But I feel as though we need some extra special quality. Yeah. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, Lewis Cook might even be plucked out as well. They're, you know, you're starting to now think, my God, what players will we be left with? Well, you know, let's, let's, let's not think about that. Maybe, maybe let's save this conversation for the mm. next Sunday night because um, it's, it's hard to take games like today and not feel really depressed. I mean, I feel deflated. I mean, everybody who watched that game just felt depressed and deflated, dejected, whatever, you know, and um, and it's it's hard to actually come away from that game and think, you know what, we've still got a chance. And, you know, if Watford, without a manager, against a Manchester City side hurting from getting beaten by Arsenal and needing to find their rhythm pretty quickly before they play Real Madrid, you know, they are not going to be taking that game easy on Tuesday night. And against a, a rudderless Watford side, who it seems to me that decision to get rid of Pearson smacks yeah. of they've given up, bizarrely. I don't know why, but just unbelievable decision. So there are obviously, I mean... We'll, we'll we'll talk about those matches actually as uh, you know later on into the podcast uh, I'm sure but um, yeah like you say there are conversations that we almost want to have now because we're resigned to it but there is still that chance so we'll park that um, half for it, now yeah. um, half time came then and uh, yeah I I felt pretty awful and you know what I think it being Southampton just added that extra bit of pain as well I don't know about you but um you one nil down against and I knew it was not going to be an easy second half they would not and I don't know what he had pinned to the dressing room wall or whether he needed to motivate players to that extent but they came out really well I thought and if you could classify the first half in percentages in terms of um who was on top I would say it was like 80 20 to Bournemouth despite the fact that Saints went in one nil up second half arguably 70, 30 Saints. And especially that first 15, 20 minutes, it, it didn't look like a Bournemouth side that was looking to get back in. Almost like the Leicester first 15 minutes of the second half. And Southampton just seemed to coast, really, didn't they? Yeah, it was um, it was tough for us to, to, to get a foothold in the game. I think that one of the issues of playing that, that uh, ball over the top is that sometimes it feels a bit aimless and you cough up possession a bit easy. And what we were doing in that first half was actually we were we were we were getting our foot on the ball, and playing some good football as well. So 
it was a bit of a mixture of the two. And at the start of the second half, any time we got the ball, it seemed we were hoofing it long, pretty aimlessly giving it back to them. And they were growing in confidence. You could see they were enjoying it, playing with freedom, playing without any pressure, where we were... Uh, every minute that passed, it, it it was like there was another weight of expectation being lowered on top of the team. And, um, you know, when that uh, when that penalty got given yeah. uh, by VAR, it kind of, uh, it, it, it sort of uh, the air of inevitability that uh, <laughs> you thought, well... It's just the way it's going. It's just the way it is, really. Mm. I now I know that um, you know Danny Ings is the top, sort of top goal uh, goal scorer for Southampton, but I thought that Ward Prowse would take penalties as well, but he, he doesn't. And I've not seen Danny Ings take many penalties, and certainly the stutter was something that I've not seen before from him. But Ramsdale read it and he managed to keep hold of it as well. And what was that? That was on about fifty six minutes. So we still got the best part of thirty thirty five minutes to go. At that point, he thought, "Is that the trigger moment?" Because Bournemouth have always had that kind of moment. Rico hitting the post. Um, moments in the Leicester match where we won the penalty. We, you know, saving a penalty would it spark the team into life? It didn't happen. I'm just going to say this, Danny Ings. I loved him when he played for us. I think Danny Ings, when I saw him take, step up to take that penalty, I thought he's going to miss this really? because he's Danny Ings. And I, I do think that he's got he's got an affinity for the club. He's got an affinity with Eddie. He didn't he didn't want to he didn't want to put us two 0 down. Mm. And I know any Saints fans listening, you know, probably conspiracy theory, whatever. But I I, I felt and I, you could tell by his expression. I don't think his heart was really in putting us down. Yeah. And and. Um, you know, if 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 that's what he was thinking, you know, it's obviously everyone's a professional, right? And he scored a cracking goal in the first half, so mm. it wasn't. And he and he should have had a second. He, he had a, a shot that went flying past the post that I thought was in in the mm. second half too. Um, but that penalty, I thought he didn't really want to score it. Funny that. And mm. um, I did I did agree. I th- I thought it was going to give us a bit of a kick up the backside and. And wake us up a bit, but we were we were just a bit off the pace in that second half. Even when we got in behind them, I mean, I I lost track of the number of long throws into the box, the number of corners mm. where we did nothing with them, yeah. and um, yeah, we just need a bit more bit more calmness and creativity. It was it was missing, and maybe maybe we weren't helped by the fact that Stanislas obviously goes off. So we lose one of our key creatives. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, the deliveries into the box, I thought in the second half, were, weren't particularly good. There were times where we needed some, you know, some crosses with some decent whip and pace on them, but they were loopy and high. And the amount of times the goalkeeper claims corners or crosses, I, I, you know, I, I'd have probably needed about three or four hands to count them on. It seemed to be every time we got them into the box. And, you know, we did get chances. Harry Wilson was there on the end of a couple and both of them were fantastically saved by the keeper. And when those aren't going in, you just know it's not your day. Yeah. And then uh, Solanke had that one blocked by, um, yeah. I can't remember, the Dutch guy. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it was just one of those games. So is it any surprise then that... Uh, the goal that we do score gets disallowed for VAR. And clearly, Callum was offside. So I don't have any complaints with that. It was just like, sod's law, no VAR. Linesman misses that, we get a goal. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know what? I don't know if there will be any plans to use VAR in the Championship. I certainly hope not, if that's where we end up. Because, look, it, it kills the moment for me. Absolutely. Mm. I was going mad. I was going mental. <laughs> yeah. And, it, it, you know, it, it It really does uh, kill it completely. And it used to be a look to the ref, a look to the lino. Are they flagging? No. Have they blown for anything? No. That's it. Just a quick look. Um, and, you know, even players, when they scored, it would always just take a quick look to the lino to make sure it was okay. Um, but nowadays, there's just, you know, none of that. And, uh, they're not celebrating like they used to. And it's, it, you know, I almost feel like 
you know, writing into some kind of, um, you know, industrial body or something with the way that, um, you know, the advertising association or whatever, with the way that Sky Sports advertised their football at the start of the season with fans all, you know, em- you know, ch- chanting and singing and shouting and jumping for joy with you euphor- uh, with euphoria because that's not that's not what it's like these days. In you know, now it's a you know, like, is it going to happen or not? It's a, it's a real temporary celebration. You know, once again, uh, it was ruled out. Look, it was the right decision. Of course it was. But at that moment on 86 minutes, my heart just, oh no, actually, I think it was a bit later on than that. I think it, it might've even been mm. injured or whatever, but um, yeah, my heart just sank. And then nailing the coffin, goal number two. Yeah. Um, good finish again, you know, clinical finishing, which we, we didn't have at our end, but they have at their end. And uh, Tuna was harsh, but honestly, that that was a, a tough game. It mirrored a lot of what's gone on in our season. A number of times we've played well and got zero from the game. We've got zero from VAR. We've got... Um, no luck whatsoever in any of their games and we tried we really gave it gave it a go and uh, at least we gave it a go um i think southampton on balance were the better side they were playing with a freedom that we just weren't playing with and that they're playing with a belief you know confidence they've crikey you know look at the results they've had since since coming back from from that 9-0 against leicester <laughs> I mean, yeah. wow you know, he's turned it around. They're playing with, uh, they they all know what their job is. They've got a settled side. Uh, I was really impressed with Romeo and Ward Prowse, where they control that midfield. I think they've got uh, Walker Peters, really talented defender at right back. Danny Ings is obviously a, a terrific finisher. We know all about him. And the goalkeeper was absolute calmness personified. So the spine of their side, very good. And we just weren't quite on their level today. Yeah, we weren't. And it leaves us in a horrendous position, really, where we're looking at other matches. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll, you know, get on to discussing that. So, yeah, let's, you know, take a look at the players um, that were on the pitch and we'll just sort of, you know, go through each of them. I mean, Ramsdale, you know, obviously saved the penalty. How, how do you think we look defensively? Uh, Jack Stacey, Steve Cook, Lloyd Kelly, Diego Rico. I think it's all right. I think Kelly is the 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 great uh, sort of rock like player in that back four. Stacey's good. He got some good attacking positions as well. Uh, Rico defending better than I've seen him for much of the season. Uh, and Steve Cook was solid, so I think as a back four, we're we're all right um, without filling me with loads of confidence. Where we're going to get a clean sheet, I think we always give up quite a lot of uh, chances. One of the things I can say to uh, the credit of our defence is that after the Man City game, I wasn't looking back and thinking Nathan Ake would have changed the result there. Um, yeah. No one really felt as though they missed him. And I've got to say, that kind of goal, I don't know what it is, players cutting in from that side on the right foot. I mean, the goal from Jesus was was very similar with the way that he, you know, cut inside and found that corner. That was almost a carbon copy. Um, but, you know, even Nathan Ake's played matches where, um, I, you know, I, I don't think he would have made a difference really. So at this point in time, I'm, I'm sort of thinking to myself, well, you know, if he does go, you know, he tried his very best. His last touch nearly kept us in the Premier League with that, you know, a goal-saving uh, challenge on uh, Jamie Vardy against Leicester, which, you know, ultimately that match, we won the three points. Um, he goes with our best wishes, but, you know, defensively, we're, you know, we're, we could be fairly sound. We might need reinforcements in places. I don't think Simon Francis will be playing anymore. Charlie Daniels might be back. Who knows? Uh, midfield. Um, yesterday, we had David Brooks, obviously, Phil Billing and Jefferson Lerma, Junior Stanislas. Now, the weakness, you know, we've obviously discussed in you know David Brooks. I think Stanislas was 
fairly solid. But what were your thoughts on Billing and Lerma in the middle? Because Billing's someone that always gets stick on the full-time free-for-all people always. Uh, He's like public enemy number one on many occasions. He's the first person they look to as being the weakness. But what do you think of their central uh, midfield pairing? Uh, I think it's okay. It it just uh, it's good at breaking up the play. And I thought I thought Lerma and Billing for all the ball that Southampton had, you know, they competed really well in that midfield. You know, the number of times that Lerma particularly broke up uh, challenges, you know, one, two or three in a row, 50-50s and left players reeling in his wake, <laughs> which was great to see. Uh, and Billing, I think he's deceptive in the way he cut his long legs, cut the ball out lots and lots of times. And he, he did OK today. But, I mean, maybe maybe it was um, the shape of the team that worked so well against um, Manchester City and arguably in that, uh, in that Leicester second half has five in midfield. And I think when you play Lerman Billing, you do need someone else creative in there, um, another midfield, central midfielder. And maybe, maybe I don't know, There's there would have been a better call to play Stanislas and King and maybe leave Brooks on the bench with Solanke up front on his own. Lewis Cook or Gosling in the middle as well. And then up front, uh, Callum Wilson and Josh King. Uh, yeah. It was a difficult one. Callum Wilson's making the right runs again, like he did against Manchester City. It was very sort of Charlie Daniels-esque, that Diego Rico ball that basically put Callum Wilson on goal to set up Brooks at Man City. But he he made a number of good runs. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, we didn't really get the shots away on goal when he had chances to score where, you know, the cross came in and he should have headed it on target at least. It just ballooned off his head. He's not in great form. Josh King showed elements and he went through on goal. He had that penalty claim early on, but he, I mean, he did go down way too easy. I don't even think VAR even took a look at it in the end, maybe a brief sort of passing mm-hmm. glance. But what do you think of those two? You know what you're going to get with both of them? A lot of effort, a lot of hard running. And they do create opportunities because of that that hard running. They do win a lot of free kicks because of that. Um, Josh, I think, um, is playing with a bit more confidence than Callum. I just think Callum is Callum is shot in front of goal. You know, sometimes goal scorers go through that phase where you think they're not. They just they're just never going to hit the back of the net again. And there's been a number of chances that Callum's had over the last few games where you think Callum of uh, last season would bury those but he's not mm. and it's getting to a getting to the point where um I, th- I think he needs to be he, he needs to be benched I mean he, I, I can't believe I'm saying this but still think he should start in front of him for for the foreseeable future one more game yeah and you know, Sam Sorridge, um, if we are relegated, Sam Sorridge has proved that he can score goals in the championship. And maybe um, with the attacking flair that we may keep in, in midfield with the likes of Junior Stanislas, etc. We've still got hope in terms of keeping our attacking flair, perhaps, because Sam Sorridge has demonstrated in the few minutes that he's had that he always knows how to hit the back of the net, doesn't he? Yeah, he can score. He can score goals. He, he's uh, he's hungry. He's enthusiastic. He's got something to prove, and he knows where the back of the net is. His his approach play and his uh, his general play as part of the team is probably a little bit more naive and 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 doesn't give the team as much as it does as Josh or Callum do. But when it comes to finishing, he can stick it in the back of the net, as he showed in the ninety sixth minute. But albeit it got ruled out. Yeah, um, uh, thoughts on the rivalry. There's a lot of uh, Saints fans that are coming online and giving us a little bit of grief. Um, uh, you know, they say we're not their rivals, yet they are happy to lord it up over us. Um, and they've been doing that plentifully in the last however many hours it is, 16 hours or so, or 24 hours, whatever it is. Um, we have intensified the rivalry, no matter whether we stay up or or, or whether we go down, haven't we? Look. 
Southampton fans have had a tough season. We beat them for the first time at St Mary's earlier in the season. They had a record home defeat where they lost 9 0. Hassan Hootel was uh, one more defeat and he'd have got fired. Mm. And um, so, honestly, if I, if if we were in their position, I'd be doing exactly the same, you know. I, I don't begrudge them at all. Football is one of those sports, you know, it comes around and goes around. And I'm sure that there'll be times where we get to lord it over there in the future. That's, yeah. that's what that's what non-rivalry is all about, isn't it? Sam? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Football lasts forever. And you know what? For the past two seasons, we've been ahead of them. And, you know, it all depends how how long a time frame, how long a sort of uh, span you want to look at things. If you want to look things, uh, you know, very short term, you'd say that, you know, Bournemouth have pretty much had the better of them. That's been their first win for a few seasons now, I think it is. I mean, they, it hasn't, they haven't won in quite a while. And yeah, um, for the first time when we do uh, sit lower than them in the table it could be it could be curds for us but um, it goes on it goes on Jeff well coming up later in the show Jeff is going to be rejoining me as we discuss the games that happen on Tuesday, that is tomorrow with Watford just needing a point and Villa hoping to stay in it themselves. If they both lose, it goes down to the final day and then anything can happen. Honestly, it's not good for the heart rate, is it? But Bournemouth need to do what they can do. And well, we didn't do it this time. So will they next time? Ugh, we don't know. First, though, some thoughts from the full-time fans free-for-all. If you ever want to join that, by the way, you're more than welcome. Just grab a pair of headphones and on your browser, just go to afcbpodcast.com slash take part. And uh, yeah, some raw reactions, some comments from YouTube as well. uh, Some uh, colourful comments this week, I've got to say. Um, And uh, not all of them uh, lasted the duration of the chat. Some of them were actually blocked. Um, Yeah, we'll... We'll talk more about that another time, I'm certain. However, these were the raw thoughts at full time. Back down to earth, I guess, um, after the last couple of performances. I mean, they put in a shift today. We put in a shift today, but the better team won on the day. Um, unfortunately, they were more clinical. Um, you can't really argue with that. You know, it, it was in our hands to go out there and get some points. And we screwed up. Um, we're now looking at favours from side, uh, sides around us. And a lot of people are looking at Watford and saying, well, yeah, but they've got Arsenal and Manchester City. But Aston Villa are still in it. You know, that they, mm. they were six points and they had to win both games and rely on Bournemouth and Watford to then lose. Um, or, you know, if they, I know if they were uh, six points. I think that would put them down anyway because of uh, the Watford being three points ahead. But what I mean is if they were lower down and, and maybe needed to win both, um, then you'd say, well, they're out of it. And then it's just Watford to rely on dropping in and us being able to get out. But Villa is still in it. And, and Watford's, you know, I, I don't know what's going on today. It was classic Watford to announce that they had sacked their manager in the middle of a, a Bournemouth game um, with such uh, such magnitude as well. So I don't know. We, we've got to rely on some other team to do us favours. But I think VAR today didn't really do us the, the favour we were hoping for. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with that, Sam. Um, I suppose, you know, we they they gave all the effort and determination and drive that they've given for the last three. Um, but it's same, same again, isn't it? We um, we just weren't clinical in front of goal. VAR wasn't on our side. And that's where we are again. To be honest, the boy put in a good effort. Um, they gave 110%. Um, where we are lacking, and Paul mentioned this earlier on, um, we're not clinical up front at the moment. Um, Wilson's been out of sorts all season. King's not been on it. Um, Spelanke, you know, has got two goals. Um, he, he did all right when he came on. Um, I celebrated like mad when we thought we scored that goal. And to be honest, 2-0, you know... Uh, it's a bit unfair on us. Um, I think the players just their heads dropped as soon as that goal was disallowed for VAR. And I, I can't see a way out of this. No, nah. I honestly can't see a way out. 
Um, I know Morgan's going to come on and say, oh, yeah, we'll beat Emerson. And, you know, <laughs> you know Aston Villa won't win any of their game. Oh, who have they got, Manny? Um, they've got Arsenal and... Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's no way out of this. Um, I, I can't... I can't see it. Um, it would need an absolute miracle. But um, I can't say that the boys didn't try hard today. Um, just very, very disappointing. The only thing I would say is Matty Holland, who was on the channel that I was listening to, said yeah. something very, very important, which is, you know, when we were on minus 17, if we'd gone down that season, that would have been the end of the club. This is not the end of the club. We're going to come back next season. We'll be in the championship. We'll have the parachute payments. Um, I think we'll be okay in the championship if that's what what happens. I, I still have that hope for a miracle next week. You know, that somehow it comes down to the last minute and we send Watford down. Um, but if, if we go to the championship, in some ways it would actually be refreshing because we'd use a lot of the younger players. Sam Savage would be in the team every week. Some of the other young players would be in the team every week. Maybe maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to go down to come back. And then the other good thing is I think we would sign Mark Pugh. And I think that would be great. He would be really good in the championship stuff. So there you go. And remember, if you want to take part after the Everton game, you know what to do. Find a pair of headphones and just on your device, whether it's a phone, laptop, tablet, whatever, go to afcbpodcast.com slash take part. Right. Let's look forward to what's happening this week. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. I was a 2015 BDO World Champion and you're listening to the podcast Back of the Net. So then it's going to be an interesting week to be an AFC Bournemouth fan. We've had a topsy-turvy ride so far. We feel like we're at the lowest of the low at the moment. Yet, Jeff, oh, I, I, I hate myself for saying it, but there's still there's still a chance that we can somehow do this. And all eyes are going to be on Vicarage Road and Villa Park on Tuesday night in a doubleheader where Watford entertain Manchester City and Villa entertain Arsenal. Manchester City are going to be reeling after their defeat to said club, Arsenal, in the FA Club. And uh, of course, Arsenal, they're going to be on a high. It is is conceivable that we could be going into the last match week with a chance. And judging on the midweek results, it, it could even be a good chance, you might say. I think it is eminently possible that um, that it will go down to the final game and we're still in it. The events that have happened at Watford, as we alluded to on the um, podcast, I think are um, qu- quite staggering, really. Um, that sort of new manager bounce, well, he's got f- whoever take- takes over, he's got 48 hours to prepare them for a game against a uh, a smarting Manchester City uh, who have still to get in the right rhythm. And I thought that was really interesting reading Pep's comments about the team, you know, not not playing well. He's going to want amazing performances from them in their last couple of league games. And that begins on Tuesday night. You bet a million quid that Manchester City will give a reaction and against a leaderless, rudderless Watford, honestly, if if Watford keep it down to 2-0, they'll, they'll have done really well. I, I can see that being a, a, a classic Manchester City 5-0, 4-0, whatever you want to call it sort of game. Yeah. And, I, and I, honestly, honestly, I know I'm a positive thinking person and all that, and I know hope kills you, but if they get if they get a result, if they get a draw from that game, Hats off to them because yeah, yeah. I think they're on a hiding to absolutely flipping nothing in that Tuesday night match. I think you know they. I listened to 
the from the Rookery End podcast every now and then. So I always think they're a club that are on our sort of footballing level. Um, and they've probably got the same sort of aspirations as us. And, uh, you know, there have been a, a lot of shared frustrations. But I think that if they do get a, a point either, you know, between those last two games, I think most of them fans will have thought they've got away with blue murder. Um, and maybe Villa as well. Now, Villa entertaining Arsenal. Um, I would like to think that Arsenal would get a result there. But, you know, in that circumstance, um, even a Villa win doesn't necessarily mean that we go down because they're level on points with us. You know, Watford's the only team that basically can't get a point now from now until the end of the season. Um, yeah. Going yeah. back to Watford very quickly, I was about to say, I mean, they're a bit of a banter club, really, with the way they're, you know, hire and fire. I mean, this this kind of, you know, attitude of sacking your manager who you know, by all intents and purposes, is is loved and has a lot of respect within the dressing room. Um, it seems a bizarre thing to do, and the players are surely going to be a bit despondent. And uh, I don't I, know, I, I, who's going to want to come it. in and manage that? I don't get it. And, and also, uh, lest we forget, Troy Deeney is likely to be out, um, so they're not going to be at full strength. Uh, I, 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 look, if you're if you're looking at the fixtures that Watford have got. Manchester City at home, Arsenal away. They get one point from those two games. You'll think, well, that, I didn't expect that. Mm. Honestly, expectations tell you they're going to lose both those games. And yeah. um, so let's say they lose both their games. Villa, I think Arsenal are going to be flying after that Manchester City win. Um, they've still got Europa Cup uh, place to to chase because they may well get to the cup final and still lose it and not get European football. So they still need to put in a performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Villa fans will tell you that uh, they're dreading that game on Tuesday night and the weight of expectation because they have to win that game. Going to yeah. West Ham final day, I think you know it's it's going to be a real toughie for them as well. So um, if Villa get one point, two points possible. Uh, if they win one of those games, again, you've got to say they'll have done well. But even if they win one of those games, we're still in it. Well, that's, then... the, that's the thing. I mean, like you say, hats off to Watford if they do manage to get a point against Manchester City. They probably won't. As you say, they probably will get smashed 4-0, in which case their goal difference would be uh, exactly. you know, the same as ours. Makes it, it makes the goal difference conversation irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. It does. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just calculating this on a on a lead table generator at the moment. And, uh, you know, I don't know why I put myself through this hell. I've been doing it almost daily uh, since the start of Project Lockdown. That would put us, uh, if, you know, Villa were to lose, that would then um, put us back up to 18th. And obviously, yeah, three points behind Watford. Now, Watford versus Arsenal. I think the telling match will be how Arsenal perform against Aston Villa. Because if they blow them out of the water, then Watford are going to be running scared. Um, now, Watford have got some decent players, albeit without Dini. Saar really impresses me. He's really quick and direct. And I don't know, he, he he seems to be one of those scary players that I would, you know, if I was Steve Cook, I would be absolutely bricking it. Um, but, you know, they're playing Arsenal. Villa on the final day, they are at West Ham, which is the worrying fixture because West Ham do look good, but then what they got to play for now, given that they're safe, not too sure. But, I mean, we have to win the final game. That's it. We have to win. And at least we gave ourselves the best chance in that final game, if that's the case, didn't we? Yeah. If, you know, this season, the games where you've thought we've got no chance we actually suddenly seem to put in a really good performance. So we did that against Manchester City. We did that against Leicester. And um, I kind of feel that the weight of expectation will be off the players. You know, going into the game, they'll be thinking, well, let's say, let's say it form uh, wins out and Villa lose, Watford lose, and all three of us, are basically looking at those games on Sunday, all start off at the same time. So we don't know what the results are going to be. We just get to play a game. And you know what? It's, it's again, it's one of those games. Give it all you've got. You know, if you win, it might not be enough, but at least, you know, you give yourselves a chance. And actually that might be in our favour because 
when we've had that expectation that we must absolutely must yeah. win this game, we've we found that really difficult. And yeah. um, I hope he plays a kind of four-five-one setup um, again. I hope that the players just play with the freedom they did against Manchester City and and the freedom they did for those last 30 minutes against Leicester and go out, enjoy yourselves and give it a go. You know, who knows what's going to happen? Well, that's the thing. Who knows? Jeff, well, well, we'll see what happens. Thank you very much for your podcast contribution today. I just wish we were speaking in more jovial terms, but alas, it wasn't to be. So there we go. Episode 90. Done. In the can. Oh, man. Sorry it's not been brilliant, but it's one of them, isn't it? You just wish that life could fast forward. And, you know, I thought that about three weeks ago. I was thinking, you know what? I would love it now if it was the evening of July the 26th. We know where we are and we can just relax and rebuild or whatever or think, how on earth did we survive? That could still be how we're feeling. If it if it did oh god anyway it's, it's not gonna happen i don't think so anyway right do you remember at the start of the show uh three anagrams of former cherries and afc bournemouth players there was be stolen slim nose and barnyard rent they were all anagrams okay so be stolen was leon best congratulations if you got that one slim nose he's still with us now in the coaching department neil moss and Barnyard Rent, when you actually write this down, is it seems really obvious. Ryan Bertrand. Um, there were more that we were going to do, including Drawn Surname, uh, Long Time List, Rob Curator, Peace Relax, and also Ban Reasoned. Uh, we won't give you the answers to them, but if you want to come back on social media, on Twitter, and tag us in, uh, then, yeah, you're more than welcome. We may even let you have one of our bottle opener things, coasters that we're doing on the Funnel Forecast on the YouTube channel. Right, that's it then. Thank you very much for your patience and listening. Uh, hopefully, we'll end on a high. Who knows what division we'll be in? We think we know. But for now, you've been listening to Back of the Net the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Top of the box, Nathan Redmond. Here's Danny Ings. Hasn't really got in the game yet. Ings right-footed shot. He's in the game right now. Is Danny Ings. Of course he is. It's his first shot. And the former Cherry celebrates modestly with four minutes until half-time. Puts a real dent in Bournemouth's hopes of staying in the Premier League. Podcast Network.